0: Welcome back to Thick and Thin with me, Katie Bilotti, and I am here today for an extra special episode that is well overdue because I was supposed to upload this episode last week. I actually brainstormed the entire thing on my flight back from South Carolina. As you guys know, I was out there for a speaking engagement slash some stuff that was going on um, that I was invited for. So yeah, I'm back in Manhattan now, but I was on my flight that got delayed by three hours last Thursday, and by the time I got home, it was just super... Late. I had a date last week. It was just a lot going on. Also, I want to apologize for the hammering that is happening in the background. I hope you guys can't hear that. But there's oh, and for that, Mercury is definitely in retrograde, my friends. Um, everything is going wrong. It's fine. We're gonna prevail. So I'm here today on this magical, magical Monday with an episode for you guys. So I have my kombucha. I'm sipping right now. It is called Better Booch. Um, not sponsored. They did give this to me though and it's a really good kombucha. I think some kombuchas are just a little too strong and like kind of, I don't want to say acidic, but like kind of just like too strong for me for my liking and I actually like this kombucha it's the golden pear uh, flavor so it has pear tulsi whatever that is turmeric and black pepper and it's like a probiotic it's really good Um, so I've been sipping this Uh, my fridge right now is comprised of entirely kombucha and wine that is literally all I have in there and I'm pretty sure kombucha has like 0.5% alcohol wait I'm reading the back I think it says how much alcohol it has in it. Oh, yeah, less than 0.5% alcohol by volume. But still, that's alcohol. So, I mean, amazingly, I have just a fridge full of alcohol right now, which I guess is my only main uh, food group at the moment. I'm just kidding. I need to go grocery shopping tonight, but I also have a bunch of projects that are due today. So we'll see what I can manage. It's about 2.30 right now. So yeah we're we're making do. things are fine. Um, even when things are crumbling, things are fine because it is a beautiful day in Manhattan today. It is fifty degrees, which is like basically summertime. There's like blue skies, the birds are chirping. I just feel like a better human today. I actually got fully ready and like I actually kind of look okay right now. <laughs> like I have a dress on. It's shocking. so, Today's a great day. It's a podcast, and I do want to start out kind of just with a little recap of my speaking event last week because I didn't really tell you guys much about what I was going to be talking about, what was going to be going on with that. So I was in South Carolina last week, um, I think, yeah, Friday, the previous Friday to last Thursday I was there, which is kind of a long time. I extended my trip because my little sister goes to college there, so it was nice being able to spend time with her, even though I think I was annoying her for half the time because I was like, let's do things, and she's like, Katie, I'm in college. I just want sit around and watch tv in bed and do nothing so but yeah I remember those days I remember what that was like and just having a lot of free time to like you know do things or do nothing actually um but yeah so I was there for quite a bit I did a speaking event on Monday night last week and I honestly do love public speaking I know that's like such an unpopular opinion people hate public speaking I wouldn't say I'm extremely good at it I use my hands a lot when I talk and I tend to like shift I don't even know honestly I need to like watch a video of myself speaking but my sister was like Katie your hands were just wild and I'm like well that's the Italian in me coming out I talk with my hands anyone else I'm sure other people do but overall it went really well and I I liked what I ended up kind of landing on in terms of what I was speaking about they didn't give me a whole lot of direction on what I should talk about they're kind of like talk about whatever you want, I was the keynote guest speaker for the um, USC, so University of South Carolina, not Southern California, South Carolina's um, fashion week, they have like a fashion week and I'm like, you guys know I'm not like a fashion influencer technically, I'm just kind of like here doing my thing, I never know what to say I am in terms of like what my niche is, I don't think I have a niche, I think I'm just kind of like all over the place, like just a colorful explosion of a lot of things just going on Which I think is just kind of me in a nutshell. It just kind of is how I am. I'm never really one thing, as we know. I'm very much more than one thing. I'm a lot of things. And I don't know. I was talking about that. Honestly, a lot of my talk was about how I found comfort in not having just one thing. I think... For a while, I thought that I had to pick one thing and just be really good at it. You know, pick one trade, one industry, be super good at that one thing and just do that one thing forever. And it's kind of dawned on me lately how just that's just not applicable to everyone i don't think some people yeah you find your thing you run with it you do that forever but there's certain people that that just kind of like scares a lot and i'm one of those people you know i i don't feel like i could be contained like that and so i've kind of over the years found comfort in having a bunch of different things that i do and a lot of a lot of things that i touch you know that's a big reason why i'm not just an influencer you know like and i'm not just doing sponsored posts all the time and that's my you know my only job revenue and not to say it's a bad thing if that's what you do I mean power to you just having that one thing but for me it's like I just need a lot of different revenue streams and so I talked a lot about my different revenue streams and how I do all this stuff you know and like what my motivation is and things like that and how to stay motivated in a creative career that's constantly changing so that's kind of like my main message and people really I think benefited a lot from it especially just kind of asking me a lot of questions there's a lot of questions about the just the overall influencer world and also just the the freelance world and I really loved being able to bust a lot of myths in the sense that people really have an idea they they have this like one view of what influencers are and how we how we act, how we, you know, portray ourselves and how we do business and I think there's a lot of myths to be busted surrounding that and you know, we're not all the same at all. Like any other business person is not the same as another person. It's just like, you know. So I like talking about that. That was kind of last week's, you know, jam and what I did. I did a podcast um, with some kids on campus and I went to a fashion show. It was very cool. And I love, you know, just going back to colleges and reminding myself what it was like to be in college and what was really important to me because I know a lot of you guys and people that follow me are either still in college or very fresh out of college for the most part and you know that's very it's a very fresh thing in our minds and we compare a lot of the things that we do in the quote-unquote real world to what we dealt with in college and how things were in college and it's always just so amazing to me to to be back and to remember the things that mattered to me in college that no longer matter to me anymore and it's crazy how even in the span of just a couple of years how your priorities change so much and you in the moment of having things being important to you you never in a million years would imagine your priorities shifting at all you never think like there's going to be I mean maybe you kind of do but you never think that the things that are important to you are gonna no longer be important. You just think they're gonna kinda shift down the totem pole of priorities, but in truth, it's like there are certain things that just completely fly out the window and I don't care about them anymore. You know, and it's just it's just shocking. So that was very cool doing a speaking event. If you guys ever, you know, are part of an organization on campus and want me to come hang and chat with you and you know flail my hands in front of an audience, let me know. Just shoot me a DM or an email and maybe I'll pop by your university. I'm doing a, a panel at Hofstra um, next month in April so yeah invite me to your college let's go to a frat party together drink the jungle juice I'm just kidding <laughs> but yeah it was cool being back at South Carolina um, I've been there a couple times before because my sister goes there and it was really fun and I, I love being able to drive I like miss driving a car it's just really underrated how amazing it is to have that sort of freedom and when you move to New York you have zero freedom in terms of that it's like you just have to rely on your feet and the subway and unreliable Ubers and taxis and yeah, so it was nice driving, and we parked in this one parking garage um, the day of my talk actually. And my sister had to run like she had class and sorority chapter, so I ended up driving myself home from the chat, which is fine. And so I got in my car and like, or my sister's car rather, and you know drove down and was talking to the the parking attendant trying to you know pay and get out of the parking garage. And I you know pull up and I notice she's just sobbing. Like, this woman is crying. It's, it's very obvious. And some people probably would feel uncomfortable by that and just, you know, ignore it. And, you know, I'm sure she hoped <laughs> that I would ignore the fact that she was crying. But I, I really just, of course, I mean, yeah, I just felt very bad for her. I felt her pain, you know, and I'm, I i do not know, I think a lot of people are like that. So I said to her, I was like, is everything okay? And she's like, yeah, yeah, yeah it's fine. Like, and I'm like, no, really, is everything okay? Because I'm not just gonna let her, you know, sit there and cry and have no one to talk to so you know and there wasn't a huge line behind me so I was like no I, like honestly I have nowhere to be right now like talk to me you know I you don't know me but if you need me to you know be there for you I'm here and of, of course I mean she probably could have been like get the heck out of my face I don't want to talk to you but she was like well no it's it's okay I'm just having a bad day you know I, I'll just think of something funny and make myself laugh and it'll be fine I'll get over it and I was like racking my brain in that moment i'm like darn it i have i've said so many funny things in my life i mean not okay (laughs) not intentionally a lot of them but i have some like random jokes that just like sit in the back of my brain from like childhood and in that moment i couldn't think of a single one and i'm like darn it why can't i just think of a a joke right now (laughs) or like something funny and like the the first thing that came to mind was this recent like i've read some animal like fun facts recently And for whatever reason, those are the things that were just in the forefront of my brain at the time. And so I said, I was like, well, I don't really have any jokes, but I do have a fun fact that might make you smile. And I told her this fact that I I read recently on Instagram that otters hold hands when they sleep. Because, you know, they'll drift away otherwise, so they hold hands when they sleep, when they're, like, in the water sleeping. And so I told her that, and she she laughed, she smiled, maybe just for my benefit. And then I had a second one just, like, pop into my brain out of nowhere, that cows can have best friends. So it's, like, picture, you know, a cow with, like, his best friend, and, yeah. Anyway, so those were the two facts that I just, you know, I only really had those two in my head. And she smiled, she laughed, and hopefully... All is well with her now. I don't know, you know, her story, but it just goes to show that you you never you never know what people are going through. You truly never do, and so always have fun animal facts or jokes on hand because you never know when they're gonna come in handy so yeah that was a memorable moment for my time in South Carolina and it was overall a great time I got to go to my sister's sorority formal with her as her date her very first one she planned as social chair I was social chair of my sorority in college so it really took me back and made me remember how stressful that was just like having to coordinate a bunch of things and like event planning in general is just so stressful there's always something that's gonna go wrong but it was actually really great so yeah, South Carolina was lovely. So that's my little uh, life recap. I do want to start recapping my life a little bit more on here because I feel like I just jump right into like topics and don't recap on like, you know, what, what I'm doing and how I'm doing, whatever. So Yeah. Anyway, today's episode of Thick and Thin, I'm going to talk a little bit about my business and freelancing. I didn't realize you guys really wanted to hear more about that, but when I asked you guys on Instagram what you want to hear about, a lot of people wanted me to talk more about freelancing and my business and how things are going as I've been, you know, without a 9-to-5 corporate job for four months now, so things have definitely shifted a lot in my day-to-day, and I also want to talk about um, a really important woman in history uh, Who's still? I mean, I'd say it's kind of um, more near history, not like super long ago, but her story is so important and really relevant. So Mary Barra is her name, and she was promoted to CEO of General Motors in 2014. So that's making her the very first female head of an automobile f- manufacturer, which is huge. So I want to talk about her today, you know, about her life being the one woman at the table of all men in a very male-dominated industry, and I want to talk a-, a lot about just like her sentiments and what she cares about. And her career advice because I think it's really relevant. A lot of it I like wrote down on my mirror. I'm like ready to adopt this and make this my life. So, yeah, we're going to talk about her today. Um, but first, I want to kind of start out with a little story about my freelancing life and adventure that I'm on right now and just kind of about how I stumbled into it but also just kind of my my previous mindset surrounding freelancing because for a while you know I thought that freelancing was kind of like just something you say you're doing when you don't really know what you're doing or you don't really have a real job and it's just kind of like oh I'm a freelancer you know. And I think a lot of people still think that's what it is, kind of just associate freelancing with being just a creative person that's kind of like, you know, doesn't really know what they're doing or doesn't have enough, you know, of a capacity to settle on something and just like do something and do it well which like I said for me for a long time I really thought that life was all about just finding the one thing you're good at sticking with it doing it super well making a lot of money popping out some kids having a nice family living in a nice house and like that was like the life that I wanted and thought that was gonna happen for me and since I've learned first of all um, you know the whole mindset I also really like was relying heavily on like n- you know marrying rich and marrying like a husband that's gonna take care of me and you know I've since looked back at that and kind of laughed very hard to be honest at the idea of you know all of my eggs being in that basket and really thinking that's like how my life's gonna go and I think it just kind of goes back to like just the way I I was raised, you know, in a suburban life where not many moms in my neighborhood had jobs, you know, when I was growing up. So, but yeah, I've, I've since realized that that's not how I think my life is, is going to go, thank God, because I actually have the power to make my own way and not rely so heavily on, first of all, someone else, but then also I, I thought that I only had a certain amount of viable years before I would have to just, you know, settle down and have kids and not really be a businesswoman and guys it's so great to be sitting here in 2020 as a woman where we have so many more choices I feel like and we have so much more I don't want to say time because of course we still are kind of on a timeline in terms of when we can have kids and things like that and so many people struggle with that but I do think that now things are a lot more cushioned in the sense that we feel that we aren't here for one reason. We aren't here just to have a family. We are here to really make an impact and to shatter some glass ceilings and to really do things for ourselves. We're making our own money. We are making our own companies. We are not getting married so early, all of us. We're not forcing things that aren't meant to be because we need to just kind of hurry things up for our biological clock and for our just our destiny of what we're supposed to do. And I love the freedom that we have now and that I feel every day especially being a business owner of my you know my own trade and my own kind of fashion like you know freelance is definitely not something that is defined in black and white and people don't often understand it my favorite thing is just like having it i have um what do i have on my hinge profile i have I think self-employed graphic designer is what I have on my Hinge profile as, like, my career choice or, like, what I do for for my job. And I just – it's always interesting when I go on the dates and when I'm DMing or whatever, private – or messaging, I guess, is what it is. Like, messaging people, it's like – they're like, oh, so tell me more about what you do. And I always, you know, expect them to think that I'm just, like – unsure like you know unemployed and like but now people are starting to understand it a little bit more although it isn't black and white they're starting to realize how this is something that's actually real and legit and people can really make some serious money and connections doing freelance so yeah overall four months in we are happy with the choice I'm really happy especially now that I have an assistant to help me um, she's really taking a load off for me um, because I do have a lot of projects that just tend to stack on top of each other and I I tend to say yes to a lot of things that I definitely should say no to but I say yes because I'm just so passionate it's not like I'm bad at saying no it's just like I want to do everything I want to touch every project I want to be a part of every single thing but I'm working on it I'm still figuring out my new normal even after four months I'm still figuring it out but yeah so I do want to talk about freelance a bit more and about how I initially saw freelancing and like how you know my my first kind of idea of it and how I viewed it so I remember back in like seventh or eighth grade I was asked by this woman in my neighborhood to model for her and of course as like a seventh or eighth grader it's like you feel like that's the coolest thing ever and basically she had a business in the neighborhood where she made jewelry and she would just kind of make it you know bring it to like like mom like wine nights and sell the jewelry and like it was just a very fun little thing that she did and she asked me and a few of my friends or not friends but like other kids in the neighborhood that are like around my age to model for her and I remember how like I felt so cool my mom was very unsure about it because she didn't really know this mom too well and she was like this is very strange like she's asking my daughter to model like the thing is it's just it was the location was very funny we modeled in so for some background because I need you guys to visualize this we had this pool in our neighborhood. it was like a private pool so only kids and you know moms and whoever people in the neighborhood could go to the pool but no other neighborhood kids and people could go you had to have a pass and it was like your pool pass and you would like swipe the pass and your picture came up and like you know so anyway there's very exclusive pools like soho house basically but yeah so there's a top level pool and a bottom level pool and the top one was kind of for bigger kids because it was like deeper and it had like the diving board and the slide and like all that stuff and so like you know when I was babysitting kids I'd bring them Down to the lower pool because it was like shallow and they had this like giant mushroom thing that like water came out of. It was like a mushroom with like a raining situation. Yeah, it was like very cute anyway, picturesque. But yeah, so the bottom pool was where we modeled this jewelry. Very strange, I know. It was like, you know, she would give us these like necklaces, like very clearly handmade necklaces and earrings, and we wore them and stood like basically under the mushroom, like getting rained on, and we were modeling this jewelry and she was photographing it herself with this like very outdated like digital camera and it felt very (laughs) creepy honestly my mom like came with me because it was like kind of we were nervous about it um but yeah so I ended up modeling I think I'm probably still on her website um seventh eighth grade Katie with like basically a full-on unibrow modeling this like jewelry made from stuff from like the craft store and you know it was just very funny because I remember that was like my first thought of what freelancing was because she referred to herself as a freelance um like designer or something I remember it on her business card she gave us her business cards and it said freelance on it like freelance because I think she did styling as well she didn't just do the jewelry but she was a a mom had two young kids you know and that was like her thing and I remember I mean, of course, now looking back, I'm like, that's kind of absurd that we were doing that and like kind of funny that that was like her idea of like, a don't know. But in the moment of it, I thought that was so cool that she could be a mom, but also do other things and like do things at home. And not to say my mom doesn't slash didn't do things. I mean, but she was, you know, raising kids, which is a full time job in itself. It's very tough to do other things. And But yeah, I always thought freelancing was like that (laughs) because that was like my earliest thought about it. But of course, you know, soon I learned the full magnitude of it and what that really truly means today because it's definitely expanded a lot. So guys, taking a quick little break in today's episode to introduce my new favorite vitamin brand for women, which is Ritual. You guys might have heard of it. I've heard a lot of my friends talk about Ritual and I'm so excited to hop on the bandwagon and obsess over them myself. So essentially, Ritual is the obsessively researched vitamin for women because you know we try to keep ourselves healthy, we try to eat kale salads and drink green smoothies, but we're still most likely not getting all of the essential nutrients that we as women need on a daily basis. So, Rituals Essentials have the nutrients most of us don't get enough of from all the foods that we eat, all in their clean, absorbable forms, no shady additives are added into ritual products or ingredients that can do more harm than good to our bodies, which is good. I feel good about knowing what's in my ritual products. So basically what it is, is just two easy to use, easy to take, rather, capsules that provide nine nutrients that you need to support a strong foundation for your health. I chose to take ritual because I love that it is for women. So it feels very targeted to my needs as a woman. And I know we need special things that men don't necessarily need. So I love how I feel taking ritual vitamins. There are a bunch of things that I love about the ritual essential vitamins. Basically, first and foremost, I just love how modern it feels. It's like a modern approach to like the multivitamin that we've been told to take for centuries. It's like, or I don't know how long, but you know, a long time. And this like makes sense to me. It really just fills the gaps in a woman's diet. So they are also, sugar-free, vegan-friendly, non-GMO, gluten-free, allergen-free, and their sources are out there for the whole world to see, so they're super transparent, and it is all delivered right to your front door. It's just a dollar a day to have all of the essential nutrients your body needs delivered every month, no strings attached. So I do love everything that Ritual stands for, and the whole, you know, process has been so easy with them, and I love how I feel taking their vitamins. Uh, So yeah, definitely check out Ritual. As you guys know, I do have a little deal for you guys so uh, for 10% off during your first three months of using ritual because you know better health does not happen overnight so for the first three months you get 10% off using my code so all you have to do is go to ritual.com slash thick and thin so that's thick the letter n as in no thin ritual.com slash thick and thin and you can get 10% off your first three months using ritual and using rituals essential for women is just a small step that helps support a healthy foundation for your body by filling in the gaps in your diet so definitely check them out and thanks to ritual for sponsoring this episode but yeah, so that, that story just randomly like just went into my head. I don't even know how when I was sitting on my flight last week thinking about what to talk about for this episode. I was like, how on earth did this like random story get lodged in my brain right now? And then I was also thinking about like other ways that I was kind of, you know, thinking about freelancing or design in general at a younger age. Like I was really putting myself back in my middle school shoes to think about like what uh, this all meant to me back then because I think that's the most important way or the best way to understand something and your your opinions on things is to remember the first time it was ever presented to you and what you thought about it and how it's changed or how you still associate it with that kind of to this day and I remember my first the first time I really realized that I was good at designing things or like creating things that people could use or wear and stuff like that was in so this was elementary school this was at least, I think I was probably fourth or fifth grade at this point, and there was this t-shirt contest in my elementary school, and it was for, we had like a different theme like every year, like it was like a charity thing. Um, I don't remember what, honestly like anything about the t-shirt design or like what the prompt was at all but I remember winning which of course you remember winning so there was like three people got to you know you'd submit an idea for this t-shirt and essentially the winner would have their design printed on the t-shirt and every single kid in the fourth fifth grade had to buy this t-shirt and the proceeds went to whatever charity it was benefiting I forget but so I designed the winning design and the winner got a like $100 visa gift card which was huge because like oh my god $100 in fifth grade that's like a thousand you know in today's terms or maybe maybe more honestly because I never really had my own money in elementary school, school of course so I remember winning this contest and then going to the mall with my my like credit card I like called it my it like felt like a credit card because I had to sign like on you know when I went to a store and I spent over like $25 at like Airy. I remember going to Aerie very specifically and using the card and like having to sign my name on the sheet And my friends all thought it was so cool because at the time you were like using only cash to buy things so that was kind of my first you know, situation where I designed something and it felt really cool for doing it. And I was like, wow, this is really, but at the time I kind of associated it more with drawing and with art because that's kind of what it was. I like drew something on a piece of paper and they printed it, but still that's a design, you know, within itself and the way that it was kind of, I remember having a lot going on, but like it all kind of meshed. And I I think I tried, I, I ripped it up. I tried it again. Like I did a bunch of different renders of the same thing and that's kind of what I do now, honestly, on a smaller, more cute scale. But now I do a whole, you know, mesh and crazy amount of different things. But it all kind of just stems back to when I, you know, first won a T-shirt design contest. I like I, I again another memory that I repressed and didn't think about until I was really racking my brain on this flight last week. So that was kind of the early Katie's opinion of design and freelance. And of course, now things have definitely expanded so much more. And I'm still trying to figure out my kind of thing and the beauty of what I do in freelance and my design stuff is I don't really have to have one thing but I do really want to develop over the next few months over the next few years my style like I want my my kind of style to be very consistent even while I have a lot of different mediums and things that I'm working with I want people to see something and say oh that is that's a Katie Blotty original (laughs) or like that's something Katie worked on because you can tell just by the look and feel and how it's produced and presented I want that to be my goal in freelancing and I did touch on that kind of during my talk last Monday at South Carolina and people were asking me like oh Katie like how do you plan on doing that and I think there's a lot of factors one being just time and you know doing enough projects where I can figure out what I even want to portray myself as but I also think something I'm doing now that will really probably benefit me overall is only really signing on to projects that I feel represent what i care about and what i personally like and like you know consuming myself and i think it just makes for better content if you are kind of framing it as like i am someone that likes this content and i'm also creating the content because then it just all kind of just it just ends up better in my opinion so i work on lifestyle and beauty and Food and things like that. So yeah, that's what I've been kind of shifting my focus towards. I've actually had to have a couple of uncomfortable conversations the past few you know weeks of being more critical about the projects I'm working on in this new mindset. And I've had to kind of break up with clients, um, which is never fun and always awkward and. I yeah it's just breakups of any kind are super awkward and I never know how to navigate them so yeah breaking up with clients is probably the worst thing especially because sometimes I initially say I'm gonna do it and I can and then once we get down to it and I realize how for example so it only really happened with one client that I actually said yes and then said no normally I just say no right up front if I feel like it's not in my wheelhouse but I'll help them and refer them to someone else that I know because I have a lot of I have a A close-knit group of like other creatives in the city that I feel like I could you know recommend for certain people and projects and I always of course run it by the person before I refer them but yeah so this one client um, just kind of keeping it pretty vague wanted something medical so they wanted kind of a video for their practice about their medical practice and it was just the way that I was I was trying to brainstorm it and I I initially said yes that I would do it and because it's for a friend's um, uncle and I was like wow this is just something I'm really not passionate about at all slash I don't think that I would be able to make a video that would do the practice justice in the way that the medical community would understand or like would appreciate like I feel like it would be I would have to really make something super sterile and not very me in the sense that it just wouldn't look like I it wouldn't be very me at all, and I felt I felt like it was just a big undertaking for something that I wasn't even really passionate about. Because I think there's a big, big you know misconception. Of course, you have to do what makes money and what you can actually support yourself on. And sometimes you have to take jobs you're not super passionate about at first. But because I've been doing this kind of thing for a bit and have a bunch of clients and contacts, and I have to say no to a lot of people, I can be a little bit pickier. And because I can, it's like you you have to look at it the same way someone, a client would look at you. It's like some people probably wouldn't want to work with me because I have a very distinct style that might not you know, I have a more casual, more social first, like social media first editing style. So if they want something that's going to be like, you know, a feature length film or something it's, or like an actual like billboard, it's it's going to be maybe not in my wheelhouse. So the way that some people are critical of working with you, you should be critical of the clients that you're signing on. You don't have to say yes to everyone. You Quite frankly, you shouldn't say yes to just anyone or everyone because it makes you should. I mean kind of going a little bit against what I was saying of, you know, not doing one thing and doing it well and just doing a lot of things. I still think it's, it's nice to, like I said, develop a little bit of a a vibe and a niche sort of like concept and style. And so I'm, I'm trying to work towards that in still doing a lot of things, but doing a lot of things with that one, like Katie touch to it. So that's kind of my goal right now in freelancing. Um, And I'm also just trying to prioritize projects and just figure out what's going to actually take me more time, what's, you know, and ultimately it does have to go back to the money aspect of things. And I feel like people are so uncomfortable talking about money, but I'm not because I feel like it's just something I wish people told me. It's like, you have to factor like, you know, how much time am I putting into this project? And am I getting the return that makes sense for the time that I'm putting into it? And my day to day just is a lot of me like shifting reprioritizing you know doing projects but then kind of pausing and thinking well is this a good use of my time right now maybe I should do something that will actually make me some money and you know but then there's also times where I just kind of goof off and like I I just want to like kind of mess around with stuff and be creative and not have something be for a return and have no money Even involved and just have fun. I think that's how I recharge myself. People always ask me, like, how I recharge and how I still have inspiration and still have ideas that are fresh and not overused and reused. And I think just giving myself time to play is so important. It's important for anyone, even if you're in a corporate role. I think it's just so important to give yourself time to play and to mess around and to remember and remind yourself why you're doing what you're doing. I think a lot of us forget you know there's the true reason why we started and i think reminding ourselves of why we started a project, why we started a certain career, why we why we are doing what we're doing reminds us just of our passion and our love and gives us, gives us the stamina to keep going excuse me i feel like my street is just like the loud car street everyone just like whips it down my street with their loud Loud cars. Anyway, so yeah, that's kind of a little synopsis of my, you know, freelancing goals right now and what I'm going through, what I'm dealing with, and I want to talk more about it. Um, once I get like, you know, exact questions from you guys, I'm gonna ask like for real questions and answer those. Um, but that's kind of like my deal right now. It's my jam, and so I do want to talk about Mary Barra. I think her story is so relevant to, kind of. The way that I am and operate, although she did, of course, work for like a huge corporate company and still does, you know, she has pretty humble beginnings and also she has this very distinct and inspiring leadership style where she really does, she's very empathetic, she does really put herself in the shoes of The people she's working with, the customer, things like that. She really knows how to position herself to understand people's motivation, to understand why people are the way they are and not just, you know, taking people at face value and how she assumes, you know, letting her assumptions cloud what's actually happening she really looks at what is happening at the root and what motivates people and what motivates people to buy and to be and to say and all sorts of things so yeah her story is so special I can't wait to share it with you guys Um, but how I initially kind of came across her and heard her name for the first time was on Instagram of course I find the best stuff on there guys like I find the best little like gems of things that I just like you know crack open and really look into further so this is one of those things I saw this post with a quote by Mary Barra so she's said, I have this fundamental belief that everybody is pretty rational. If you can understand what is motivating them or change what is motivating them, you can accomplish things. And so I instantly fell in love with that little quote and sentiment and had to dig deeper, which uh, of course I did. And I found a lot of stuff on her, a lot of dirt, a lot of, no, I'm just kidding, a lot of good stuff, a lot of inspirational stuff, a lot of nuggets and things she said and done that really can inspire a person. So like I said, she was uh, in 2014 promoted to the CEO position of GM, so it's making her the first female head of an automobile manufacturer. That's huge, as we know, a very male-dominated industry. So it's huge. And her initial job in 1980 was checking fender panels and inspecting hoods to pay for her college tuition. So she was really at the bottom of the totem pole in 1980, and now she is CEO. So that's incredible. Um, she subsequently held a variety of engineering and admin positions, including managing um, the Detroit. Assembly plant. Um, so she's done a lot of different things and she worked her way up to where she is now, which is incredible. So she's also listed on Forbes and Fortune's Most Powerful Women list. She's featured on the cover of Times 100 Most Influential People in the World. Um, so yeah, incredible. So yeah, I want to talk about her story a bit, but to kind of kick things off. So the quote that I read, um, the Instagram quote that I saw, actually has a whole story behind it uh, that kind of enhances the quote a bit. It makes us understand why she even said this thing about motivation and about why it's important for us to understand what is motivating people and or change what is motivating people, and that's how you accomplish your goals. So back before she was CEO, before, you know, she was really anything besides just working at a plant and kind of managing the plant, she was just trying to figure out ways to make communication better, and overall just the working standards better at this plant, and there was a lot of harassment happening, there was a lot of just issues with the line workers themselves, and how they, you know, their relationships and such, and whenever she went in there to kind of try to figure out what was going on, and you know she was a woman of course and like I said a male dominated space and walked through these plants and she got catcalled and harassed you know in the plants as she was walking by as a powerful person even like not super powerful but powerful enough for these people to respect her and she got all these looks she got catcalled she got this one guy that proceeded to always greet her with a wolf whistle um yeah so people stared at her so after several of these encounters she stopped and asked the one guy that always wolf whistled her which I don't really know what a wolf whistle sounds like I assume just like a howl of some sort Um, she asked the guy what he was doing she's like what are you doing And he was taken aback, because no one's ever called him out for doing that, I guess, and he said to her that he just wanted to attract her attention. And she responded that if he wanted her attention, he should just say hi, and she would respond the same way. And he did, and after that, they greeted each other whenever she came into the plant, and soon others quieted down also and the experience, I'm reading from this book, the experience helped shape Bara's future leadership style, a key aspect of which consists of trying to look at the world through other people's eyes. And then she said to this author that was writing something about her, The quote, I have this fundamental belief that everyone is pretty rational. If you can understand what is motivating them or change what is motivating them, you can accomplish things. And in this book it does say, which is really accurate and very interesting, because a lot of times when we're faced with this behavior and people, I mean, come on, you've everyone's been catcalled, I feel like, at some point in their life as a woman, just even walking down the street. And in this book, which I am now realizing is called Influence Without Authority. If you guys are curious, by Alan R. Cohen and David L. Bradford, they said, Bara didn't seem to think that she was selling her soul, but others might. The challenge is to try to step back and consider possible choices, since you often have more options than may at first appear. To keep from being trapped with no choice, keep seeking what currencies the other person seems to be seeking, what forces are likely to be driving the desire for those currencies, and how you might address those in some other way. Which i think is great i mean it sucks that even as women we have to even deal with this and have to even figure out an alternate currency and you know figure out why people are doing what they're doing but if we have any hope of changing how things are it's first of all to understand these people like you know even if we first of all kind of just like hate them you know for being how they are and for doing these things to us and making us feel like you know objects and a number of things it's also kind of reframing and you know making there be a choice for ourselves even when it feels like there isn't one and that it's just going to continuously happen you know I I still think it's important to figure out why people are doing what they're doing and to kind of scare the shit out of them by confronting them with that you know the next time someone catcalls me being like why are you doing that like why do you think like what what is motivating you why are you doing what you're doing because you know in this situation or even just any general situation a lot of times we think we know what's motivating someone and we don't know exactly, you know, we don't know the, the full truth. Um, and so it's good to do our research and figure out what's motivating people. Even in this instance, which was kind of like obvious that he wanted attention or wanted her to like, you know, wanted a reaction out of her. I think oftentimes we do approach situations kind of already thinking we know what, someone's motivation is and already know what someone wants out of something. But yeah, so that's another uh, reason why I was definitely drawn to Mary Barra was that situation and just the way that she very gracefully navigated a pretty annoying situation that happens to all of us as women, I feel like. So yeah, Mary Barra is extremely inspiring for many different reasons and ways that she is is just incredible I want to meet her someday she's still alive which is nice she's still CEO as far as I know <laughs> unless things have changed in the past few days but yeah she uh, is incredible and I love that she started working on fenders and like getting her hands dirty just to pay for college and now she is CEO of GM it's incredible so she has a lot of really famous quotes and things that she's said that are just really really relevant right now I think for a lot of us so she she quotes Eleanor Roosevelt a lot she loves the quote, um, do one thing every day that scares you, which I love that quote as well. And she said in one of her, um, Something she was quoted in, she said, If I could offer some advice to my younger self, this idea of embracing new and different opportunities would be a good place to start. In today's heavily prescribed, overly programmed world, it's easy to believe, even at 22, that you need to plan every detail of your future career, but that's simply not the case. While planning for your future is great, the fact is things change. Opportunities will arise tomorrow that you simply can't imagine today. If you pass on them because they don't fit neatly into your current plan or because you're afraid, you could easily miss your best opportunities for growth. In my case, some of my most important career learnings came from situations in which I initially thought, you want me to do what? Like supervising a team at an assembly plant early on in my career, or being asked as an engineer to lead human resources. The pang of fear that you get when you're given a challenging opportunity is a good sign. See it as a motivator and an opportunity to learn new skills, work with new people and expand your audience. Remember too, it's important not to limit your potential. You wanna drive your career forward of course, but progress does not always travel in a straight line. Each new opportunity broadens your skills and perspective, and the wider your experience, the more you bring to the table as you advance to leadership. Embrace these opportunities. Conquer them. Learn from them. They will be important investments in your career and milestones that mark your progress nothing scary about that. That's incredible. I want that whole little synopsis, that little quote there to live in my brain for the next few years because I think it's so important for me to do new and scary things. Quitting my job, really scary and you know what I'm doing now is definitely new. I'm trying things and kind of just making my way through them, you know, kind of picking up a camera and doing things that I never thought I would be doing and trying things that are definitely scary and out of my wheelhouse and just kind of making it, making it work, you know, and learning through it. And every time something goes wrong, I'm learning through it. And it's really cool to be able to, you know, read things like this from women like Mary Barra, who's now CEO of a major company and realize that we all, we all, you know, go through the motions of having things thrown in our laps and thinking, like, wait, I'm supposed to do th- do what? Like, this is what I'm doing? This is what I need to be doing right now? Like, you know, it, there's never a straight shot or a straight line to success. That's just not how it is. And yeah, I think we need to remember that. So she also said another little story that she... Um, told in an article her articles are incredible anything that she's ever been quoted in is just incredible so it's hard for me to pick but this other story that she told in one of her articles was that um, there was this plant manager once that asked his lead engineer to explain her hiring process she said well we fill a bathtub with water and we offer the applicant a teaspoon a teacup or a bucket then we ask him or her to empty the tub And she's kind of like continuing her statement and the manager cuts her off and says i get it a go getter would use the bucket because it's faster then the engineer says no a go-getter will pull the drain plug something that wasn't even offered as an option you know is the ultimate thing that people are looking for they're looking for the crazy people that don't take the options in front of them as the final options like they're like no there's got to be something better that's how half of the innovation in our world was discovered and I literally hate whoever is hammering outside. I want to go track them down and ask them why they're doing what they're doing in in the spirit of Mary Barra. Why? What is your motivation, sir? Probably building something that's going to eventually benefit someone, but it's just not benefiting me right now. So anyway. yeah Mary Barra is incredible there's a lot more I could say about her story but I think that was a pretty good little synopsis of her character and of her leadership style definitely read more books about her her story and her quotes are just incredible so I really do admire Mary Barra a lot and I'm happy I got to talk about her today um in closing though I do want to read this one quote that I stumbled across also on Instagram um, from this woman named Audrey I think it's Audra Audre, A-U-D-R-E Lord. Um, who she's a poet. I believe she is no longer with us, but she said this really amazing quote, you need to reach down and touch the thing that's boiling inside of you and make it somehow useful. And I feel like that is kind of what I've done in being a freelancer and what I've been challenging myself to do more of recently is kind of just identify, I think is a good word, identify what those boiling things are, what are the things that are kind of just churning around in my soul, in my being, and really are just demanding my attention, like what are these things, because they're there, and if I, you know, move fast enough, I won't, you know, I can ignore them, but maybe I should not do that, and actually give them a chance to, to tell me, you know, what they want me to do, almost, so there's certain, you know, little creativity bugs inside of me that were really, really demanding my attention while I was at my corporate job, and I decided. Decided to ultimately leave my corporate job because I want to give these little you know boiling things a chance to live and survive and see the light of day and really make an impact on my life and on other people's lives so yeah I loved that quote also one more quote I want to close with you guys know I'm a queen of quotes I love quotes so it's by Raul Dahl who wrote one of my favorite books BFG Big Friendly Giant I love that book Um, he said and above all watch with glittering eyes the whole world around you because the greatest secrets are always hidden in the most unlikely places those who don't believe in magic will never find it I just love that quote that's a beautiful quote I can just like see that quote sparkling as I read it Um, so yeah I think that's a really great sentiment as well, just knowing that, you know, there is magic in this world and you just kind of, you have to look with a certain, you know, certain eye to see it. And if you don't believe that it exists, if you don't believe that there is magic and there is hope, then you will never, ever find it, you know? And I think that even though I'm labeled as kind of dramatic and emotional and in a lot of the ways that I do look for this magic, I still feel like at the end of the day, like, okay, you can shit on me for trying, but I'm going to be the one that finds it because, I believe it exists and I believe that this is all not for nothing, you know, it's Anyway, yes. <laughs> I love this quote so much. I can go down a total rabbit hole with this, but we are out of time. I know you guys are probably eager to get on with your day and listen to another podcast, but thanks for listening, guys. I really appreciate your love and support of Thick and Thin. This is my baby. I just love this podcast so very much. Uh so yeah, I'm going to go and track down the person with the hammer and I'm just kidding. <laughs> but yeah. Uh hope you guys enjoyed this episode and I will talk to you guys all next week. Bye. <music>